Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is championship weekend in college football, so we're bringing you an early Thursday episode to cover it all. We're recording here on a on a Wednesday night, so a little bit earlier in our processes, and, and I know uh, we'll make it happen, but uh, welcome to Sharp at the Point. I'm Brian Peller, in here with Chris Dindle, our new listeners, in case you're here on, on what amounts to the final week of the season. We, we'll probably have more episodes going into bowl season and try and mix and match other ways in but if you are new thanks for jumping in and uh appreciate you waiting until the very last week possible to do so appreciate it uh we are a college football game and dfs picks podcast article on tomahawknation.com with some of the article if you are betting our picks do so responsibly follow at your own risk this week will be a little different though there are only count them one two i'm just going to skip to 10 10 games so Two of them are on Friday. The other eight are on Saturday, and we're going to touch on all 10 games. There's really no point in uh, going anywhere else or talking about much of anything else because it's, quite frankly, all there really is. I'm also going to go ahead and skip our usual look back at how we did a week ago because I did poorly again, and uh, it's kind of pointless, right? I mean, it's not really what we've learned and what we could could follow going forward where maybe matchups that are exploitable um, because if they're not really exploitable this week, God knows what they're going to look like in the bowl games. So how can you really project it if you don't know who's going to play? So it's really no point in looking back. So we're just going to jump ahead and kind of jump right into it, going game by game, talking expectations, talking DFS implications. Is it a team you want to look at? Is it a team you really don't want to look at? And that could also impact, you know, if you're maybe an over-under kind of better, if you're looking for those sorts of things, all of that is going to kind of help in this conversation because, like I said, we're talking about every game. So uh, it's all there. We're going to go with both the Friday and Saturday slate. So you're covered all the way around. So, Chris, I'm going to toss the ball to you because I've been talking for a while. Game one this weekend is Friday, 7 o'clock, CBS Sportsnet. It's the Conference USA Championship game. New Mexico State is plus 10.5 at number 24, Liberty. You said they already played once this year. They did, and we're going to be enjoying the heck out of that game for about an hour before the main event starts. So that's that's <laughs> just kind of the way it's going to be. We're going to get the Diego Pavia show against Caden Salter. They're both two very good quarterbacks. The game earlier this year was in week two. It was 33-17. Liberty won the game. 
So that would lend you to think, okay, New Mexico State probably going to get beat up again. But New Mexico State turned the ball over five times in that game or three times in that game, and two of them were costly turnovers in the red zone. Pavia didn't have his best game. It, it was They were definitely getting used to things. They've improved throughout the year. Remember, this is a team that lost to UMass early in the year and somehow has managed to beat Auburn, who gave Alabama a heck of a fight last week. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, and then Liberty's run the table. They haven't been pushed very much. Both teams run based offenses. There's not a lot of bad defenses this week. You know, everybody's good at this point. It's kind of minimal margins that we're looking for. Liberty's one of the best rush offenses in the country, averaging almost six yards a carry and 34 touchdowns on the year. Limited pass offense, but they can throw the ball. And they've got a little fun Swiss Army knife in Aaron Bedgood that I'm really looking forward to being able to play this week. He's 3,200. Love the value on him. He's going to get you almost 10 touches a game, four to seven carries, two to three catches, and he's a wide receiver. So it's a nice cheap play. And if we get a return for a touchdown, that counts six. You know, I wish we get the yardage for it, but I'll take this. And then we can we could get into Pavia's – New Mexico State is – they're just a weird team, right? Like there's nobody you really love. The volume in the pass game isn't great. The run game is a very heavy uh, running back by committee. Nobody's even going to get 10 carries out of that backfield. And it's really just split up. Watkins is interesting to me in some ways because he, uh, Monty Watkins, he is 4,500 and he's a explosive running back. Um, he's 4,200. He does a lot with his touches. And th- but then like trying to pick out a wide receiver is dang near impossible. They had 11 guys catch a pass last week. So <laughs> realistically, like Pavia's our guy at 6,600. He's the best point per dollar uh, play on the slate. But I think this is a slower paced game and a run game uh, between both teams. So if you're going to get a running back, I- I- I'd want to lean towards Quentin Cooley of liberty at 6300 salter has uh caden salter's the quarterback for liberty he's very good he's priced up as the third highest option i have him as the highest raw points projection uh with their 30.2 point team total and he's a very good runner of the football but it's not a high volume pass game there's some interesting plays in there cj daniels is a good wide receiver for them at 5100 and all of his down games coincide with any blowouts so you have some plays on the liberty side across the board whereas new mexico state's more concentrated on pavia with a maybe a sprinkle if you wanted to play the play the craps game of of Watkins being my favorite probably at uh at lower ownership hoping that he breaks a long run maybe Trent Hudson at wide receiver at 4500 but the volume is going to be very difficult to predict there so I mean taking what you said there and kind of what to expect a run heavy game is something likely what we'd see even even with the guess higher team totals um, and New Mexico State being a different team than they were earlier in this year, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, a loss to UMass to beating Auburn on the road is, is one impressive, but also the fact that, you know, it's New Mexico State traveling essentially West Coast to East Coast. I mean, obviously, New Mexico State isn't all the way on the, East Coast, on the West Coast and Auburn isn't exactly all the way on the East Coast, but 
you know, you see that in the NFL a lot when teams have to travel across country that direction. doesn't really pan out, especially playing early. Uh, I've been impressed by that. It's hard not to be. Uh, I was surprised to see the number at 10.5. And where I ended up in picking this game in, in the 10.5 was uh, Liberty is unbeaten. Is that correct, right? They're still unbeaten. They are 12-0 um, still. It's really hard to go unbeaten. Uh, and especially if you have to do it by beating a really good team twice. Um They've seen you. They know you. You know each other well. Ten and a half points. Uh, not often do we get rematches in college football, of course, on Friday. But get two of them. I'm going to take the ten and a half in New Mexico State and bank on this being a different team than the one we saw before. That makes sense to you? Yeah, I would take the ten and a half. Uh, Pavia is a fun guy. I, I like to watch him play a good bit. And he did get in a little bit of trouble earlier this year for tinkling on the New Mexico practice field. So that was a bit of a deal, but he's got a little edge to him, and I like it. I like the word tinkling. That was good. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get bleeped. No, no, no. I don't know if we have bleeps, but uh, that's I like it. We, we'll get a little E next to our name on a lot of the things if you want anything different, probably. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention heading into Friday is, like I said, you get you get two doubleheaders, and so you know maybe you don't end up seeing all of this game, especially because it's on CBS Sports Network, and I'm not sure how many people know how to find it. Um, so like you said, it's the pre-show. If you can find it and you can get to it, great, go for it, go crazy. Um, and of course, all the lines uh are from DraftKings. That was what I wanted to mention. Ten and a half points. So uh, that's a DraftKings line. All of these are the actual lines. Normally I throw a half point if it's a flat number. I believe the only two that had half points were the AAC title game between SMU and Tulane and the Big Ten title game between Michigan and, and Iowa. We'll get to those later, but uh, those were whole numbers, but I add a half point just because we do it as a little contest in the comment section as well. Uh, but these are all lines from DraftKings, just to make sure we mention that, and all the pricing as well. They're DFS pricing numbers. Uh, so the second game on Friday, the Pac-12 title game is number five, Oregon. They're minus nine and a half in a rematch against number three, Washington in Vegas. Uh, obviously, Oregon has become... I don't know if I can call them the media darling, but the team that I, I told you even six weeks ago, I think Bo Nix was a good bet for Heisman at that point. Um, when we were talking guys, they had just lost to Oregon. I said, I think between him and Jaden Daniels are the two guys you'd probably want to bet on when Penix became the favorite. Um, you and I were talking about it, and we mentioned, I think, a couple like Dylan Gabriel, Drake May, Jordan Travis, as guys who were, were plus 1,000 and higher that had shots at it. Uh, but I figured Oregon would likely get back to this point, have a chance to uh, upset Washington, probably could have and should have won in Seattle uh, before. And everyone is that way, including the odds makers. You got it at minus nine and a half. Um, I I find myself thinking that too many people have soured on Oregon um, because they've won close against what we all believe to be sort of bad teams. Um, but the fact remains they have won. So I'm going to take the nine and a half in Oregon. I think of this or in Washington uh, and, and I probably think they lose. I see the potential for them to even be blown out in this game, but nine and a half seems like a lot for a team that has done nothing but win all game as a quarterback and a lot of options who have played extremely well in a lot of games. I, I don't hate nine and a half points here. Yeah. And where I've kind of landed on this as far as the betting sides go. If it was six and a half, I'd want Oregon. 
I'm on Oregon. If it was <laughs> 10 and a half, I'd want Washington. At nine and a half, I don't want to touch it. I'm terrified of it. Yes. I, don't t- I, I saw it. nine and a half and I was like, ooh, gross number. Where do I fall in this thing? Yeah. So I was hoping that it would either go up or down. And it just hasn't really moved since Sunday. So I don't really want to touch it. I don't really want to touch the over under in this game. I'm somewhat still worried about Washington's offense. Uh, you'll see that from my DFS selections. You know, I'm going to lean heavily on Oregon, especially the Oregon run game. Now, there's two schools of thought in this situation, right? Bucky dominated them the last time that they played. He had 22 for 127 and one on the ground. Bo Nix had it, it did well too with 337 and two. But yeah, swing passes and check downs, baby. That's how you right. get right. So that's where I'm wondering though is it, but this offense has evolved and Bucky should be in every lineup. He's 6,900. Play Bucky. Just play Bucky. It's not because of the fact that New Mexico State has that three headed RBBC. You can't. There's not a lot of reliable running backs. And I've got my numbers say that Oregon has given up three point three yards per carry and eight touchdowns on the year. I know Dylan Johnson went for a hundred and a touchdown in their last matchup. I'm very tempted, and I almost bet it today, was the under on his rushing prop. I think it was 83 and a half. I kind of want to go under on that. Well, um, I was going to ask you. He was banged up there. last week, right? It, yeah, he's and- banged up. I, I'm I'm just worried about it. I just I think I'm going to end up fading him and think that they're going to have to ride Michael Penix's arm. And which has led me in in a number of directions. I um, I love Jalen Polk previously this year. They had three guys put up really solid numbers against Oregon in the first game. And I I just don't know that this is an over necessarily. I think both teams are going to come out a little, little soft. But it's also a game where we think Bo Nix could be pushing for the Heisman. So... Does Bucky take over the game or does Bo Nix take over the game or is it a combination of both? Maybe it's both. That's why I think I'm going to end up playing both of them. I think I'll probably have one lineup with Nix and Bucky and then maybe one lineups with Penix and Bucky. And I would say the biggest surprise is I might go heavy Jalen McMillan at 5,600. Wow. He, he had five catches. Times, yeah. He had five catches last week. I got to think that this is what they were saving him for. You know, he started the year with three straight games of over what are two games with 95 plus yards or no 95 plus yards in all three games to start the year. He had limited snaps the week that you played him and got a donut. And then the next week, he had five catches for 26 yards last week. He still doesn't look necessarily right, but he's going to continue to get better. And if you're saving him, what else are you saving him for? This is your shot. Yeah, you kind of have to have it this week if you're either one of these teams. The one thing I do also want to talk about in general um, before we move on to the Saturday slate, and I'm curious, college football overall, right? We're talking about expanding to the 12-team playoff next year. And obviously this year, though, we're still at four. So this game becomes a college football playoff elimination game. Um, they're they're talking the fairness. Obviously, the winner is in here. I don't think there's much argument. It's one of these two teams is going to be in the playoff. Um, do you find it fair that Washington wins 
game one of this matchup, and then they rematch later, and it becomes, well, if Oregon wins, then they get to go in over them, when in reality, they've, they've played twice, and the only loss for either team is a split. Um, you know, I, I understand that it's what they the one who won more recently, they've won the conference, um, but in reality, their, their resumes won't be any different. Right. And then the thing is, is, well, in this situation, Oregon lost by three at Washington. What happens in this game will matter. So if Oregon blows them out or beats them by 14 or whatever, well, but even if it, even if Oregon wins by three in this game, it's not going to well, be if Oregon like... wins by three, then technically speaking, we're even. Right? Yeah, but if even then, that, that's not how it's going to go. They're going to put Oregon in because they won this game. OK, the only fair way to go forward with this in in a sense, because we want these two teams to play, right? I don't want to see Iowa playing Michigan. I'd rather see Ohio State play Michigan. I would rather them just restart the game they already played with the deficit <laughs> and just keep the score running for the next 60. You know, I, that's yeah. fine by me. I think it'd be fine by Oregon because I think Oregon would win that game still. So because that game was close, you know, I, you can't, Look, we want to see these good games, and this is the only way to see these good games. And I, I don't want to have a Mountain West situation where they're having a computer allegedly with numbers being put into it decide it like a BCS game. Yeah, I think the one thing that's interesting in it, and I do think the BCS would almost be more fair, um, but it's not about fairness, right? It's the thing I've been reiterating for the last few weeks on the Seminole Rap podcast I've been reiterating here. Uh, that This college football playoff is a business. It is a television entertainment product. And it isn't about fairness, and they can sit up there and tell you that they're there to put the four most, the best teams, the four most deserving teams. They're going to put the four teams they think produce the best television product that have earned the right to be there um, because they're not just that shameless. So it's a little combo, but in reality, it's going to come down to the TV product. Uh, obviously, Florida State plays a little bit role of that, and, and we'll get there. And I'd love to hear your thoughts when we get there. When we get there, it's at the end. We'll get there. Um, I'll try not to. One more thing. I already bet it. Like we said, with um, I've been heavy on the bet streets this week. I bet over 11 and a half on Bo Nix's rushing yards. Now, sacks count against it. Yeah. Bo Nix, he ran the ball last week. He went for 40 on the ground. They're trying to win that Heisman. He had one 27-yard like, keeper that was designed and couldn't. I could have run it in. And I was like, wow, that was easy. He had 14 yards against him in the first game. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I think 11 and a half is a very safe number. I also don't expect a lot of sacks in this game. Like I I don't I don't yeah. think of the Washington D-line as like a pressure-filled team and Oregon gets the ball out quick. He's not exactly standing back there chucking it downfield. I mean Now the big question is is can Tez Johnson at 6600 outproduce Troy Franklin at 7300? And then there becomes this whole different vibe where, like we talked about, you know, I think he can. Tez has been playing unreal right now. He's kind of a Tank Dell-style play. Uh, Big Ferguson, I, I've nicknamed him Opie. If you've never looked at a picture of him, he looks like Opie. Terrence and, Ferguson does? Yes. Okay. And he's he's 6'5", like 260. I show a picture to him to everybody because they look at him on the field and they think, oh my goodness, look at that behemoth. Because he's got leg tat, like a full leg sleeve, arm sleeve, fully tatted up, and he looks like Opie. It's the most amazing thing to me. But, and he's 3,600, great tight end for them. 
I don't know I'm, why it cracked me up the idea of you showing that picture to everyone. I had you in the grocery store, like checking out and being I like, would. "Hey, have you seen Terrace Ferguson? Look at this guy." Because he just <laughs> it just sounds like a guy, and then you look at him and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" I've showed every single person that's been at my house. So, George. Then there's another theory in my head because this is a two game slate. You can break all the rules, right? So like Bucky and Bo Nix, they don't correlate very well, but they're gonna throw those uh, short passes. I think they had six completions to each other in the first game. Similarly, if I'm running Penix with, uh, let's say, Salter maybe, I would be very interested because of the lack of running back depth in this game, in this uh, this night slate, this two-gamer, to run Bucky Irving with Jordan James and say that Oregon just runs the crap out of the football. And, they could, yeah, they could beat him bad. I mean, that, that's on the table. I mean, I, like we talked about, I, I think it's more likely they, they blow out Washington than Washington blows them out. Um you know, when you're talking scenarios and playing those out in your head, that that's on the table. The one other thing I wanted to mention before we move to Saturday, because this is the last two remaining real Heisman contenders outside of Jaden Daniels of LSU, is we have talked about the Heisman a bunch, and this is obviously the last weekend before that. Um, it's down to those three guys, right? Is there a scenario? It seems like it's really down to Bo Nix or Jaden Daniels. Do you think yeah. that Penix could play himself into this window? No, he hasn't played well enough. If Knicks wins, Knicks is going to win the Heisman. If Knicks loses, Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman. If I mean, you think if Knicks throws for like 215 and they run the ball for 140, you still think he wins the Heisman? Oh, he'd have to have a bad game. I don't I don't see him having that bad of a game. I think he would at worst, he's going to be he would be involved with enough touchdown equity. He would have like four touchdowns, especially because if they're running the ball for that much, Knicks is going to be involved in that rushing. They're going to pump him a couple touchdowns in there because they would be up enough points that it wouldn't. That's why they wouldn't use him in that sense. We love pumping up mediocre quarterbacks with wins. Moving on to Saturday, Big 12 title game starts the day. It's Oklahoma State plus 15 and a half versus Texas. This game is in Dallas, I'm imagining. There's going to be a whole lot of different shades of orange in the building. Could be wrong, but I got a pretty good assumption that that's going to be true. I'm sure a lot of it's going to be more burnt orange than whatever we call the Oklahoma State orange. You and I have talked a lot about Oklahoma State all season, and especially over the last month, and I seem to be completely incapable of figuring out what that team is. Uh, They went to UCF a few weeks ago, and I said, we have seen the Big 12 the, the newbies to the Big 12 get steamrolled by the traditional Big 12 schools. Oklahoma State's been running the ball a ton with Ollie Gordon, and they're going to roll right over them. And then they couldn't run the ball at all. Alan Bowman had to throw it, and he was horrible, and they fell apart. They then went, and I think they well, they beat Houston fairly handily mm-hmm. the week before, and then last week against BYU, they probably should have lost and won it in double overtime. Uh, and Ollie Gordon was held in check for most of that game until the four, the very end of the fourth quarter in overtime. I now sit here and I look at Texas, and I still don't know what to do with Oklahoma State. I, I, I'm I am baffled by what Oklahoma State is. We got Ollie Gordon to last week again. I yeah, I, I just I, I, I so don't like about talking him. about him. He drives <laughs> me insane. I'm so happy that he faces what is likely to be the first and fifth best run defenses on the slate or in the country, maybe. And that's the Texas D-line unit number one and the Texas D-line unit number two. They're both top 10 because they're amazing. 
<laughs> they're they're averaging under three yards a carry, given up with less with seven touchdowns. I, I love this Texas front. I think Alan Bowman is going to have to carry this team. I think he can. Gundy in these situations is fun. That's going to be a great game to watch. It's must watch TV. I'm very salty because I wanted. I think Texas can blow them out. That is on the table. Texas opened at a twelve and a half points. And I went to get it, and it was at 14 and a half by the time I went because I was too busy watching the NFL. Yeah. That was a bit of a mistake on my end. This thing's blocked. I mean, it's boomed. I was hoping it would be around yeah. 10. I, I was excited for 10. You said it opened at 11. I, I opened it today, and I saw 15 and a half, and I got sick in my stomach because it's a yeah. it's huge number yeah. uh, for a team ranked in the top 18 against Texas, who I'm not really in love with. You know, I've been I've been talking about how I feel like there's some there's some upset potential around them um I, i'm taking texas here i'm laying the 15 and a half i don't love it i wish the number like you said i wish the number was 11 and a half 12 and a half even 13 i mean maybe you use them in a teaser and you can you might have to tease them yeah I, I think they're a to teaser nine, game to nine nine and a half and and maybe combine it with with the uh, God, I don't even know. Maybe take. There's a lot of teams you could combine it with. I'd be real comfortable with a few of them. Oh, I got namely Tulane. I see one down the list that I want to get to later that I could that I could tease around, but I won't get there yet. Um, yeah, Tulane's a good one. That 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 one is one I think I would include, and I'm I'm willing to mention. But the problem is, is you lost all the value, right? Like I'm telling you teams that I bet when the number opened and then the numbers moved. Yeah. Well, you've lost it, right? I mean, yeah. If you combine two teams on a teaser, it's not going to be worth a ton, but um, I feel a lot more confident in Texas minus nine and a half than I do taking Texas minus 15 and a half. I mean, look, if I have to bet this game and I want to, and if look, it's a noon game and the over. only other game, only other game on the slate is the Mac game over is a good number. Um, I might just take Texas's team total over. I'd take the total over. Because I think uh, Oklahoma State's going to score two. I had it at 54 and a half opening. It probably has gone up a little bit. But these both these teams play pretty quick. I think you're going to see a lot of passing. Texas can have it however they want. They can run the ball for touchdowns, and they can throw the ball for touchdowns. Um, on the Texas side, you're looking at I, – I, I'm interested in yours. I think I might play a little sprinkle of yours. He's a little expensive for me at uh, 8,500. Because if you think about it, yours is going to be all tied to throwing touchdowns. Yeah, because I, I mean, even he's then, he's not I'm, really a runner. Yeah, he's not, and I'm I'm anticipating Texas having a few short fields here. I, I'm right. thinking Bowman gives up maybe a a, a bad pick, a, maybe a sack fumble against these D line. You know what I mean? Like I'm anticipating short fields. Yeah, and with the matchup in the offense setting, because they Texas is going to be able to run the ball too. So they, that's this is the second worst run defense on the slate is Oklahoma State. Texas is very good up front. C.J. Baxter at fifty six hundred is really cheap, like wonderful price tag. He's priced behind Savion Blue, the backup. I don't quite get that one. That one's a little bit of a misprice to me. Uh, Savion Blue is like six thousand. If he he had he left last week against Texas Tech with a hip pointer, that's just a like a little bit of a bone bruise to your hip. But he's he should be fine. Uh, Sark said in the post game that if it was if it was a close game, they were up forty nine to seven at this point. He said if it was a close game, he would have come back in. 
So I'm confident in him. I think he's looked pretty good in a couple tough matchups with Iowa State and Kansas State. I think he can get loose here. We haven't seen that blow-up game, right? There's always that freshman blow-up game. I think that this this has a little sneaky potential for him there, uh, especially because Xavier, Xavier Worthy I love. Been playing him for years. He's 6,200, big play wide receiver and the short area target. He could play very well. He's in play. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, the tra- Georgia transfer, he's in play. Those two kind of uh, – A.D. Mitchell's more of the deep threat. Jatavion Sanders we talked about early in the season, the tight end. He's 3,700. Yep. Great value to me. I have That's just a gut play, right? He had two 100-yard games early in the season, got hurt. Haven't really heard much from him since. That's kind of a gut opinion that I, I like uh, – Jatavion in this week because I think they're like I said Texas is going to be able to move the football so you just kind of mix and match little bits of pieces I think the game goes over I think it's more shootout game that's where you could just kind of play Texas however you want it's kind of soup of the day here but Oklahoma State on the other hand I think they're going to have to throw the heck out of the football and that's where that's where I think not playing Ewers at 8500 now better matchup but Bowman's 6,100, so he's 2,400 less. He's basically a quarter of the salary less. Bowman has 300-yard passing upside, and he's going to have to keep his foot on the pedal. And then Ollie Gordon's over here at 9,000, and he has a terrible match. He has the worst matchup on the slate. He's the most expensive running back. I, I know I'm going to regret fading him because they're just going to throw the ball to him. But I, how do you not fade Ollie Gordon? Like what? What have we seen against Texas that says, "Yeah, play, let's play the nine thousand dollar running back against Ali uh, against uh, Texas"? Well, the one question I I, I want to make sure we hit too: this slate is it all the games? It is all the games. DraftKings okay. pulled a FanDuel. Yeah, so we're going through the whole night tonight, and I I so I don't know how much I like Bowman if he has no rushing upside. But to your point, he's going to throw it a lot. I mean, the number's good, but I I do like the receivers. I see where the receivers make sense because, mm-hmm. especially DraftKings being a PPR thing. I mean, if they make, you know, if you get a handful of catches for even just a handful of yards, you still get a lot of a decent amount of points. Yeah, Brennan Presley at fifty five hundred is more of the slot guy. He gets a ton of targets. That's where Texas is most weak. Fifty five hundred on him. He had fifteen catches two games ago and nine catches last week. So. He's the main target, like the number one. I would want to play Brennan Presley. That's kind of like a cash play. Leon Johnson and Rashad Owens, five thousand and forty-eight hundred. You're, I don't, you know, I, I couldn't tell you which one to play, but one of the, maybe both of them in this situation. There should be a lot of yards to go around in this offense. The only reason I bring up Bowman as a potential option is there's a there's not very many mobile quarterbacks this week and a lot of the decent quarterbacks are really priced up and you'll kind of see as we go through that even like yours at 8500 is a tough pill to swallow so that's why i i really don't even have him in my playbook now i'm i it's a very weird week to try to figure out plays at Oklahoma State or at quarterback period fair enough we move to the Mac, the Mac title game, the other noon game. This one's on ESPN. It's Miami of Ohio plus seven and a half against Toledo. This one's in Detroit. Um, I'm not even going to pretend to act like I know anything about this game. A, a friend of mine, as, as a kid, he coached on uh, Toledo. I see here on your list, Juwan 
Newton. I know he's pretty good. That's all I really got for you. So I, I'm going to take Toledo and lay the points. No, I love Jerwan Newton. Big yeah. fan of his. So they yeah. played earlier this year as well. That game finished 21-17 in favor of Toledo. Closer game. My Both, te- both teams are good defenses. Toledo, best defense in the MAC. Toledo, best offense in the MAC. Miami of Ohio, one of the better defenses in the MAC. But it's just a ground and pound, scrappy offense. They're the slowest paced team in the MAC. And the previous game they played, their starting quarterback got hurt in that game. So that kind of kept the game close enough at that point. Their new quarterback is a run first, can't throw the ball at all. He's like, put your best athlete back there and hope he makes a play kind of guy. They've had uh, their best wide receiver, Gage Larvadian, I guess, Larvaden. He, uh, he's been out, so he's hurt with a hamstring. I don't know that he returns this week. I want to say Toledo just bullnoses them through the game. It just dominates this game. But I think it's going to be this slow it down, slog it game. This game's not an overplay. I'd play the under, if anything, or Miami of Ohio plus the points just because they seem to pull things out. And Toledo, I have not seen a game yet this season where they hit their ceiling. Daquan Finn is is 7,800. That's just – he has the rushing upside to go for 100 yards or 80 yards at least, and he can throw for 300. I've seen it before, but he's been terrible this year. Not from a the way he's played, but they've just neutered the entire offense. Penny Boone's seventy seven hundred. He's the running back. He's he's a workhorse, but like, how many touches in this game is anybody even going to have? Is kind of my thing. Like Newton's forty seven hundred. Wonderful price on him. You know, he he had nine touchdowns in the first six weeks of the season. He hadn't scored since. So, and the offense really has just been mediocre at best. I have a hard time playing anybody on Toledo. I think I might end up last year in this exact game. I remember stacking Toledo and my day ended very early because Daquan Finn didn't do anything. I might just fade this game. And and I, I'm if anybody I play, it might be Miami of Ohio's Javon Tracy. I know I just said that their quarterback can't throw a lick. He's a punt <laughs> wide receiver at 3,500. I think that Gage is going to be out or limited at best. They said that he might be able to play, and if he does, he'd be limited. This kid, Tracy, over the last two games has apparently found something with 11 catches for 193 yards in a run-first slog team. I guess we're just going to kind of hope that they're chasing a little bit in this game, You know, like 21-7. And then he might get some more run at 3,500. He's kind of worth a shot as a back end roster filler. My only question I have for you is uh, you like Jerwan Newton or do you prefer his brother Jerzon at Illinois, the D tackle who figures to go in the top 15 picks of the NFL draft? Oh, I mean, it's I've, it's, I've won it's more got, money on Jerwan Newton. Well, that's fair. I mean, you don't exactly play D tackle fantasy, but you know. I don't play D tackle fantasy. So yeah. I'm gonna. I, if we, if you said we can have one of the two on the show, I'd pick Jerwan Newton. Okay, well, I'll, well, I'll reach out and see if we can put it in the call. <laughs> Shout out the Newton brothers. 
right here uh, for where, wherever I'm at over here in, in Tampa Bay area. Uh, Mountain West title game brings us to the halfway point. It's Boise State minus two and a half at UNLV. This one is in Vegas. 3 p.m. start on Fox. Um, I know we have been fans of Ashton Genty a lot this year. Love him, like him, big fan, runs the ball a ton. He certainly won me a, co- a couple of dollars earlier this year. Um, they're the favorites, and I'm going to go with UNLV. Yeah. Yeah, I'd take UNLV. It feels oh, yeah. right. I think this game got shootout potential too. So there, for me, there's four games that I love on this slate, and it's Oklahoma State, Texas could go over. Boise State, UNLV could go over. Now, these are two run-based teams, but they're run-based teams that score with explosiveness. Georgia-Alabama, I think, goes in the 60s. That's probably my number one target. We're getting to that next. The other game, I think, that has sneaky upside is App State-Troy. So we need to pinpoint those four games. Uh, Those are the four games that I'm going to start pulling a lot of pieces and build a lineup out of. And and that's like the four game stacks I like. Now we just got to start figuring out and dialing in anything around them. I love this game. I, I absolutely love this game. I'm very sad that it's on at the similar time as uh, Alabama, Georgia. So I get an hour of this game, but then I'm going to be going back and forth. This sounds like uh, we're going to have to be putting putting this Boise State game on the on the iPad and having it in our face while we're watching Georgia, Alabama sucking down some Frosties. I'm telling so, you, what you should do is do what I've got over here. I bought an uh, a projector off of Amazon yeah. and a Roku for like twenty bucks. Stuck them together, and I've got a second TV in the house anytime I want it. That's fair. I I want to mount two more TVs above my TV and then uh, just go absurd command center style. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's start with Boise State because that's the team we know the most about and specifically everybody that's listened knows more about Ashton Genty. He's 8,000. I still love him. I, he, he was operating as the lead back early in the year or well, after because George Halani got hurt in the first yeah. week of the season. That's that was the when, that was when he really there. took over. Yeah. yeah that's when I kind of knew, okay, we're going to need to get some, some Genty in the, in there. And he was a monster, just dominated everything. Well, Holani came back. So it was like, okay, let's see what happens here. Genty got hurt the first game Holani came back. So then that <laughs> made it so that we got two games of Holani. He dominated. Then Genty came in. Now let's see what happens. Well, first game back, they split work. It's to be expected. Second game back, they've split work. So I think we're looking at like a 60-40, 55-45 split for Genty to take the lead. Genty still going 50-50 went 100-100 last week for the double bonus and with 100 rushing, 100 receiving. Still a monster. They don't have any wide receivers right now. They have nobody to throw the ball to, which leads me to the problem of quarterback play. How can you play Taylor Green when they might not throw for 150 yards? He might run for 100 yards, maybe. might run for 60. I mean, he's not really the greatest runner in the world. He's a very good runner, but he's not talented enough to overtake a Genty and a Holani. Like, you're going to hand the ball to them, and they're going to combine for 40 touches in this game. I prefer Genty a lot because of the rushing and receiving upside, because they lost their top two wide receivers to the portal. This is a full running back game. I still think it can go over. It still has potential to go over. It's just 
the only guy that you're willing to play on the Boise side is Genty. Um, if we go to the UNLV side, they run the go-go offense. I've started to try to read up on it a little bit more. I was going to say, let me please explain. <laughs> no, you don't want to get too far in the weeds on this one. I, I had it up and I was like, I don't, I'm, we don't even want to go that deep into this go-go offense. Apparently it's very sophisticated of off balance lines and motion offense everywhere. They run it almost like a triple option. So they have a ton of running backs. Yeah, it's kind of like a triple option, but they throw the heck out of the football. So I don't know. It's like a new age triple option offense. And their running back situation, I haven't figured out yet. I might go. I don't. They are kind of similar to New Mexico State where nobody gets more than 10 carries. So I'm not really that interested there. And Boise's pretty good against the run uh, by all accounts. So I would prefer to attack their passing game. They probably have the second worst pass defense on the slate. With a 28-point team total, I'm kind of interested there. Jaden Maiava is their quarterback at 6,800. I'm interested. I haven't quite figured out whether I love him or not. He's the one guy who can throw for a decent, like north of 200 yards and run for another 40 to 50. So he has some slate breaking upside on the cheaper end. But Ricky White is my favorite wide receiver. He's 6,700. He's my number one wide receiver on the entire slate, including any of the, any of the games, doesn't matter who it is. Number one. I love this kid. He came from Michigan state transferred to UNLV. They're also playing at home at UNLV in Vegas, not at home though. It's in the big stadium, but still close enough. It's a home game in essence. Although how many fans does UNLV have (laughs) Ricky white has been on fire the last six games, just on a tear. So he's at a hundred plus yards receiving in each of his past six. And he has over 150 in five of those six. That's absurd. You don't find that very many places, 6,700 normal slate in, or a big offense. Like that's Marvin Harrison numbers. Essentially Marvin Harrison's usually 9,100, 8,900. This is 6,700 on main slate. Like just, just lock him in and he's going to get most of the numbers from Mayava. And that's going to allow us to pivot to a different quarterback and get a different route, but also get all of the production. We'll move on to the second half of the slate. It's the SEC title game. It's number one, Georgia, minus five and a half against Alabama. The game, of course, in Atlanta, like always, the SEC championship. It's a four o'clock on CBS, the one you already mentioned. It's kind of popping into the window. Sorry, taking away from this Boise State UNLV track meet we could have. This one is, I'm torn. Because Georgia has been playing the best football in the country over the last six, seven weeks, I'd say. Um, Alabama has been playing better uh, until last week, which was similar to what we saw from when Georgia went to Auburn. It seemed like Auburn played their two best games against the two best teams that they played. Um, I expected myself to have picked Georgia in this game last week. I watched what Bama did and expected to see a typical Bama bounce back spot here. Um, And that's where I end up kind of torn. So then I've also seen this number from 
and I apologize. I don't know the guy's name. It's on the internet. It's written down. I'm going to try and say it. Connor O'Gara. It's my guess. He's from Saturday Down South. Apparently he votes for the Heisman. So remember, Jaden Daniels is your guy, Connor. Yeah. Uh, since Alabama lost the 2008 SEC championship game to the eventual national champion Florida, Alabama in games in Atlanta, I'll let you play the game he has listed out here. Uh, they are A, 16-0, and B, 8-0 versus AP top 10 teams, C, 7-0 versus AP top 5 teams, or D, won 12 of their 16 games by double digits. Which do you believe to be correct? I'm going to go with 12 of 16. How about all of the above? They're 16-0. They've gone 8-0 against top 10 teams, 7-0 against top 5 teams, and won 12 of the 16 games by double digits. Uh, they do well in Atlanta, to which I say, who cares where you play? Um, I like the dogs, and I'm going to lay the five and a half. So when the line opened, I got it at dogs minus five, and I immediately put a little nibble on that. And then recently today, when the player props were dropping, I put a big old nibble hedging that essentially on Jalen Milrow over 39 and a half rushing yards. But like, I could still see both happening. I think both could easily happen, but I think this game's to over nail the over. If I, if I was really going back, I would have bet the over more. So it was at 55 and a half. Um, I, I just, I've seen it too many times when teams go into these games at member last week, right? I said, number one bet on the board for me was over, in the Michigan Ohio State game, that game was easy over. It quit. Easy. It yeah. was easy over. So that these are the kind of games where these teams typically manhandle other teams. Georgia's been giving up explosive plays lately to a number of teams. Alabama is an explosive offense that makes mistakes a lot. Yeah. Milrose gonna give you three <laughs> just winning plays and one losing play at least. So that's where I think Georgia's gonna score some points off of those. Georgia's also coming in highly rested because they didn't play anybody against Georgia Tech last week. Half well, their team you, sat out. When you know you can win, I mean, you might as well. Yeah, I mean, that was the crazy part, you know? And that's where I think it's getting interesting is, is if you start looking at it, Beck played. Beck's 8,600. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Like, he has sneaky rushing upside, so I don't – quite know how i feel about him yet i i i'm he's in the pool i would put him in the pool well one thing i think is interesting too is last week i mean auburn pretty exclusively played peyton thorn over robbie ashford who's their non-running quarterback and he was able to i guess ad lib some some decent five to 15 yard scrambles yeah um he's not really a runner through it, through any estimate. So I mean, you know, if obviously Beck has some ability to move his legs, so I don't really want to say a rivalry game at Auburn projects to this, but at least Alabama looked susceptible to it. I mean, Jaden Daniels did the same thing when LSU played them. Obviously, he's a much more capable runner than than Thorne is, uh, and and than Beck is. But Alabama has been giving that up, and something that I mean, you wouldn't automatically think if you haven't been watching Alabama week in week out, right? And then. That's where it's interesting though is I don't I don't quite know what to make of the running back split either from 
from Georgia. You know, like Milton's come on strong lately. But I'm wondering if they've just been saving Edwards for this game where they just want to chuck it, you know, Uh, and he's more of the pass catching back. I think they they probably were doing that because Milton got a ton of run last week. McConkie and Bowers didn't even play. They're they're priced up at sixty four and seventy four hundred. Like that seems uh, unreasonable, like too expensive to me. But then again, this is a game that when these two teams play, I have won a lot of money on playing game stacks of this because nobody was willing to play it because they think defensive battle, these two teams are good. Defenses are definitely not as good as past years. Well, and, and we t- we typically see high – I mean, it's not like we've seen under like low numbers in, in Georgia-Alabama matchups recently. I mean, you think of the Tua National Championship game had a high point total. Mm-hmm. I want to say – the SEC Last title game, game too. Let me find their their head to head, but yeah, yeah, because there's an SEC title game in there with was that the Devonte Smith year where he won the Heisman? I went heavy on that game in that championship game. Uh, there was a year where it just exploded with Stetson Bennett, and I just I just double stacked the heck out of that game. I, I will double stack this game because I think this game has the most shootout potential. The two best offenses playing in it. Alabama's a better offense than we give them credit for. Milrow is my favorite quarterback this week. I never thought I'd say this. He's unless he was priced under seven k. He's nine thousand. You imagine saying this and watching South Florida film. You imagine <laughs> well, watching even, that South Florida. He didn't tape? play against South Florida. They benched him after the Texas game. Yeah, he's come back with a vengeance, man. Yeah, he I really mean, has. Any game that's close, he's. He's had to just take over. He has 18 and 20 carries in the last two competitive games with 90 and 100 plus yards rushing in those games. I got him at 39 and a half over under on the rushing. There's no way he doesn't carry this ball 15 to 20 times, especially because Jace McClellan, I don't see how he's playing. He was in a boot coming out of the game, his foot with a foot injury. We're looking at Roy Dell Williams' time at 4K. You played him last week at, at whatever price. I think it was 3800 yeah. Yeah, so I don't see how you can't do that at this point. I mean, Milrow's been racking up touchdowns too. 9K, he's got the best upside on the slate. He's the only one with the floor and ceiling combination. And he's the only one who can throw for 250 and run for 100. Nobody else has that capability nor are they likely to do it. And he's looking to play from a trailing position. I trust Nick Saban. I also love Roy Dell Williams. And I really like Jermaine Burton at 6,100 in a revenge game against Georgia. Well, and and I've seen, a, and we've seen a lot in this game where, where those big shots have worked, right? That, that's, that's what we've seen a lot in these, in these two teams playing against each other. It just seems like what's susceptible in these defenses. And speaking of those two matchups, they've played three times since 2020. Uh, October 17th, 2020 in Tuscaloosa. Bama wins 41-24 in a number two versus number three game. 2021, the SEC title game. Bama wins the exact same score, 41-24, a number three versus number one game. And then the uh, national title game later that year, it's uh, in Indy, it was Georgia winning 33-18, which was the lowest scoring of the games, and they still had – what is that? Fifty-one points in it. 
Yeah. Um, the other two both hitting 65. So, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, you think low scoring games. I mean, even the 2018 game was a 49 point affair. So it's not like this is going to end in, in, in a 10 to seven type contest. There's going to be points. There's going to be scoring. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem being a part of this game in DFS, keeping an eye on what that over-under might look, look like, and, and finding ways to get in on on those, like you mentioned, the rushing props and things like that. I love it. I mean, I love it. We slide love over this the game. AAC title game, which uh, this is a number I'm with you. I certainly like. Tulane is hosting SMU. SMU is a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Tulane is obviously the reigning Cotton Bowl champions and potentially in line to be the team to go to that whatever New Year's Six Bowl ends up hosting the the highest-ranked group of five team again this year, going back-to-back years in that realm. Huge for Willie Fritz's team. Um, SMU's in a pickle here, man. They're, uh, they got some, a big injury on the offensive side. I, I don't understand this line, actually. I, I you don't had me it. so confused. No, you had me really confused, and here's why. This line opened on Sunday at three and a half, or maybe it was four, and I immediately bet it. And then the Stone injury, uh, Preston Stone, their quarterback, was announced out with a broken leg. I saw the game against Navy when he got hurt, and I was like, oh, he's out for the year, because it was clear that he broke his leg. Like they were, he was crying. They wheeled him off the field. The coaches out there give him, you know, give him a hug. Like that guy's not coming back. So they're starting quarterbacks out. They're going to have to turn to a true freshman quarterback in Kevin Jennings. Then this line immediately it opened. All the action went on Tulane and it went to five and a half. So I was like, sick. I got a good number at four. I bet five units at minus four on Tulane. How the heck did it get to three and a half? Because you, I thought that was an old line. I was like, oh, you must have gotten the opening line. And I looked it up, and it was actually back to three and a half. It makes no sense. I guess it's that Texas money, you know, who's betting, you know, that Dallas money. Well, one thing I have seen certainly a lot lately, especially from New Orleans media, obviously raised there and and, and follow a lot of them on Twitter and, and know a bunch of people around this program. Uh, a lot of people frustrated that it seems like Willie Fritz is determined to play every two-lane game close, even when they appear to be a lot better than teams. Uh, they had a late touchdown to kind of push the number against UAB to 12. Uh, same again against Memphis to push it to 10. Beat North Texas by 7. Rice was a two-point win. ECU was a three-point win. Tulsa was a two-point win. Uh, they beat FAU two weeks ago by 16, and then last week UTSA by 13. Um but I'm with you, man. I, I saw the, the, the injury. I saw the news last weekend. I expected this number bigger. Uh, this is my favorite number of the weekend. Tulane at home and what I'm assuming is going to be a packed house of Tulane fans in what maybe could be Willie Fritz's last game with this program. Depending I was tempted. On- I'm te- I was tempted to go if Stone was playing and SMU would have been favored if Stone was playing. But they did a heck of a job on defense against a lot Tulane. of guys so far this year, Tulane. You know, Tulane's done a, front is good, yeah. Yeah, they've done a great job. I mean, they think about what they did to Frank Harris last week after a just a monster performance at that UTSA offense the week before. And they just shut them down, turned them over five times. Remember what they did to Judkins early in the year? We were all in on them. They, I mean, they damn anything. near beat Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, yeah they and, had and them- it, 
And then we played LJ Johnson last week. He didn't even play in the game. So I don't know what the heck's going on. They didn't play their starting running back who had 20 carries each of the previous two games. And yet their quarterback breaks his leg up 59 to nine. I, I, why he was in the game, I have no idea either. So doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But on the two lane side, this say, SMU, what do you like on Tulane? Yeah. Oh, this SMU defense is really good too. So it's a little scary. I wouldn't want to go all in. I want to like Michael Pratt because I've played him a lot last year and I might end up getting there. He's the second highest projected quarterback on the slate for me, but I'm, I don't know that I can love him because he hasn't put up the same kind of volume numbers as last year. I think it's more, they've been more conservative on offense they're trying to not get him hit because remember he missed a lot of games last year from taking so many shots when he was running the football. So they're not doing that. Most of their wide receiver core has been hurt this year. So they're trying to just hand the ball off to Makai Hughes. He's 6,400. He's fine, but they finally priced him up. We were, we were getting to play him in the mid five K's, you know, so I don't really love that against this particular matchup. This almost feels like an under. I feel like the over under is right at 50 and a half. Jaquan Jackson might return from injury. If he sits, I love uh, Brazzle, the 6'5 kid. I don't know if you got to see him play yet. He's like a 6'5 lanky wide receiver. He's 5,400. He's their number one. He's really the only target that I love in the offense when Jackson's out because the other kid's out too. He's played pretty well. It's a low-volume pass offense. He's maybe worth a shot here or there. I like the tight end Bauman last week. He was, he's 3,300. He got a zero. He looked like he was going to be safe for 8 to 10, but he didn't do anything. So I, their offense, I, that might just end up being a game where there's just too many other good plays, and I'm just going to end up fading that game completely because this kid's $100 less. Brazel, he's $100 less than Brennan Presley. You know, and Presley's might get 15 catches. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is one you probably want to avoid in the DFS realm. I'm not sure I'd want to be a part of any kind of over-under numbers because, like you said, it feels right on. I, I, If anything, I like the two-lane minus three-and-a-half at home, and, yeah. and I think that's where I would leave this game. The Sun Belt title game is another one where, mm. quite frankly, I don't have a ton of information for you. App State is plus six-and-a-half at Troy. Four o'clock start. This one's on ESPN, so the four o'clock window is the busy one. They got one, two, three games there for it. Uh, we took App State earlier this year to beat. I'm so sorry, your JMU, uh, mm-hmm. and and they did. And, and um, I'm just going to stick with App State in in this seeming underdog role that they're in. And, and obviously they're in here, but uh, is it is it Vital Vidal? I've only read it and played it in DFS. I don't even know how to say yeah. it. Kamani Vidal. Yeah, he's good. So this is an asterisk game. James Madison should rightfully be playing in this game and they would, they have already beaten Troy. So we're rooting for the Troy Trojans. They can win this game, beat app state, avenge our one loss. And then we're the rightful Sunbelt champions two years running. Aguilar for app state is a gunslinger. Joey Aguilar. He's the quarterback 7,000. He's also very interesting. I'm I'm very much so wanting to play him. Troy is the 
is one of the best defenses on the slate. They are very good. They held that James Madison team to 16 points earlier this year, and even though we won maybe 17, and it was one of the worst games that McLeod had all year. They're very tough defense. Uh, they scare me. I think this game has somewhat shootout potential. It's one of my games that I like this week, and mainly because this kid Aguilar does not care if anybody's open or not open. He impressed me a lot in the JMU game. He slings the rock. He's had three-plus TDs in a ton of games lately. The matchup's terrible. The run game's not going to work. So if they're going to put up touchdowns, it's going to be through Aguilar's arm. I don't really like any of their running backs. I thought we would maybe. Nate Noel, he hasn't been playing lately. Caden Robinson at wide receivers, 5,000. He's a top, uh, top target. He scored six touchdowns in his last four games, and he has a touchdown in each game, at least one. Scored two in each of the last two games. I played him against JMU. Wonderful bring back option if you ended up uh, wanting to stack the next team because when we get to those Troy Trojans, we're going to be playing a lot of them. This is kind of a game where, if anything, I like Troy, but I, I don't necessarily want to bet Troy at minus six and a half. But I think they could run away with this game potentially. I do have the uh, Troy defensive numbers. So they got drubbed by Kansas State earlier this year. Since then, these are the point totals they've allowed. 16, 24, 7, 3, 0, 13, 10, 14, 24, 17. So that's one twice over 20, twice over 16 uh, yeah. on, on the entire season. So not one giving up a lot of points. Yeah, so that's where, like, if you're taking a shot on Aguilar, it's it's risky. I mean, it's a big, big risk. But with Troy, Gunnar Watson is a very experienced quarterback, senior quarterback. He's 6K. He's probably the cheapest option I'm willing to go to. So you're really comparing him and Alan Bowman, uh, in my opinion. Bowman's got the option of they're going to have to throw the both. They're going to throw the ball. Appalachia State's the worst defense on the slate, period, end of story. It's not close. Come, uh, overall defense. So I think Troy's going to score and score four touchdowns minimum. He's been good. He kind of looks like a Becker Ewers as far as stat lines go, if you look at his game logs. But the pricing's very good, and the matchup's better than the, well, as good as them. The only reason he might fail would be if Kamani Vidal, like you said, who's 7,000, breaks the slate. It's the only way he fails. And if he fails, so that's why you got to kind of play your player pool, right? If I'm playing Gunner, I'm not playing Vidal because those two clearly go against one another. Right. The, the only reason Vidal would break the slate is this is by far the worst rush defense on the slate giving up almost five yards of carry over 22 touch uh, to 22 touchdowns. And he had a game earlier this year where he went for 245 and three. That would be a situation that Gunnar Watson loses you the slate and Kamani Vidal wins you a game, a, a slate period. But I love that Watson has a touchdown in every game this year. He's got three or more in four of his last five passing touchdowns. He's a guy that's cheap enough that he gives you access to all of the other high upside plays. No rushing capability there. But he's also got a couple very cheap wide receivers that make it very enticing to want to double stack him. 
You got Jabre Barber, my favorite play on the slate at 4,400. He's a possession receiver. He's got five touchdowns on the year, but he catches six to eight balls a game. Love that. And we mentioned this is a PPR slate, right? You get a PPR point per slate. reception. Yeah. And he's 4,400. You're not getting that much other places. You imagine putting, oh, I mean, realistically, if you're saying cash games, I'm put, starting my lineup with Barber at 4,400. And then you get Brennan Presley and his nine to 15 catches at 5,500. We've already got what 15 points just in receptions before the game even started. And, and you've only spent, minimum. you haven't even spent 10 grand yet. You haven't even spent $10,000. You spent 9,900. That's, that's crazy. And his partner in crime is going to be Chris Lewis at 4,700. He's kind of the tall guy. He's the big play threat, big old uh, average depth of target. So that'd be your a dot. He's got a huge average depth of target. He has 10 touchdowns on the year. He catches half as many passes. So if I, I believe Lewis has 29 touch uh, passes caught on the season compared to Barber's 60. So that's where the difference comes in. There's more catch equity there, but less uh, opportunity on with Chris Lewis, but he gets a higher touchdown total. I think you can play both together with Gunnar Watson if you wanted to, but this is a weird game. Like we said, where I think app can hang because Aguilar does not care about turning the football over. He puts the ball in bad spots. He just hasn't had it cost him yet. Okay. We're down to the last two games of the slate. Uh, I'm going to flip a coin here on which oh, one man. we're going to go to, go to first. Bed. It's the big 10 title game is what it landed on. It's number two, Michigan. They're minus 22 and a half against Iowa in Indy. It's an 8 PM start on Fox. Um, I have to address the elephant in the room last week. I unfortunately decided to take the Iowa-Nebraska over, which was a heartbreaker. I had it at over 23 and a half, and it ended at 23, I believe, right? That um, sounds about right. Yeah, 10 to 3, 13-10. I felt really good at 10-7 and a half, and, uh, you know, real painful there. Uh, Iowa is the... I saw like a luck statistic on Twitter and I apologize. I don't have it in front of me. It's just what's on top of my head as I started to talk about this game. So whoever did it, congratulations. Thank you. And I appreciate it. Um, I was one of the luckiest teams to ever make it to 10 and two or whatever they are in the history of college football. They don't have any rhyme or reason to be 10 and two. Um, and Michigan obviously is 12 and zero and has looked fairly dominant and, Won a close game by all measures against Ohio State, but but had late control. I mean, Ohio State had the chance to drive there at the end to potentially win the game. And yet I'm here to tell you that I plan to take the 22 and a half points in Iowa simply because Jim Harbaugh is back. Michigan just won the big game. They are seemingly in the playoff at this point. Everyone's put them in. And I expect Michigan to just take that deep breath and Iowa's not just going to give them anything. I don't. I think this is similar to the Penn State game with a much bigger number. I don't think Iowa's offense is even as good as Penn State's, which is terrible. Um, but I think they're more like they're they're more likely to not beat themselves like like Penn State did, and just I mean they just lose by twenty one and let's go home, right? I like like twenty four to three, twenty two to to five or something gross i don't i don't know it feels gross i don't like any of it but at some point this season college kids have to do something college kids that feels dumb 
And we just haven't had any upsets, big number upsets. I don't think this is going to be a, a actual statistical upset, like a, the Iowa wins the game. But I'll take 22 and a half and, and, and hate myself the whole way through. You should. You I won't should watch it. Yourself. I won't even watch it. That's the thing. I'm going to watch the ACC title game, which we're going to get to last. And I'm sorry that it's last, but it's with it's just the order of the I game. don't even know that that's any better to watch than this game. I but so we'll get there. We'll get there. So, I, man, you, you really came at me with a lot here. I, I so, just, I'm, I, I understand. I, I can't understand. even believe see, what you just said. I see your information. I'm looking at it. I see heck There's no, so much more than just that information. Soft. I see, I don't think Iowa will score a touchdown. I don't blame you. I don't think they're going to probably score a touchdown either. I saw the quarterback saying that he's going to use all the information from when he was at Michigan to, to get them back. He doesn't have any information. They haven't had information all year. They're terrible. I just think at some point, Michigan has to play mediocre. They did it against Maryland. They did it against Penn State. Those teams were dreadful, kept it close enough. I don't know why Iowa can't also be dreadful and keep it close enough. If if Corum can't run all over the field, I don't see how like J.J. McCarthy is just going to like come out and cook. So while I'm going to speak on this, I would like you to go look up the scores and when the last touchdown was scored in each of the last two Big Ten championship games while I go on about this, because I'm, I'm going to want your reaction to it. Well, I watched last year's game. My number one bet that I bought, well, I didn't put the most on it. The Tulane got the biggest bet, but I also bet Michigan over 30 and a half because I think I don't see any way that they don't get the football four times and score four or at least score four touchdowns and kick a field goal at some point. And they was plus money. So that's even better. Iowa to some extent is, I mean, maybe Brian Ferentz gets to keep his job somehow. I don't see oh, no, how. They already announced he's gone, right? Okay. Well, that's that. fair. Yeah. That'd be fair. But I mean, in fairness to him, they are playing with almost no starters. None of their starters are playing. So they played Illinois in Nebraska the last two weeks. Yeah. Offensive juggernauts, correct? Oh, well, I'd say at least in the top 10 of, of total offenses in the Big Ten West, for sure. I would hope so. <laughs> so they outperformed their season averages against Iowa in yards EPA per play, expected yards per play. Why is that? Because the star of the Iowa defense got hurt three weeks ago. He's out. So they're just hemorrhaging people. They have nobody left. Harbaugh's back. Harbaugh's going to want to smack people around. And did you look up when the last touchdown was in each of the two? Yeah, buck 22 left in 2022, a buck 25 left in 2021. How close were those two games? 42 to 3 in 2021, Michigan over Iowa and I just 42, lost 42 43-22 in 2022. So Harbaugh loves to cover for the big Mackers at Michigan that are betting on this game. He's going to cover. Harbaugh loves a cover. He loves Clearly. giving back. Clearly. So I don't see that happening to where this game might not even be that close. I think we see another 42-3. to three. And, and that three is generous. I think... I, somebody asked me something earlier or said something earlier today. Is Iowa going to score more points or 
is the spread in the Alabama Georgia game going to be bigger? Which one's going to be bigger? Iowa's point total or the difference between the winning Georgia Alabama team? Yeah. I'm going to go with Iowa. One's bigger than zero. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not sitting here and telling you that the pick is based in anything that resembles logic. All it's based in is these college kids, 18 to 22, Jim Harbaugh, who appears to act like someone between the age of 18 and 22. Mm-hmm is either going to do way too much or way too little and and just open a door. That's all I'm looking for, and I'll be wrong. It's fine. It's not like I've done great lately. I've been three and right. seven for the last three weeks. So, I mean, here we are. No, I don't, I'm just I don't care to even watch. Point. I don't even care to watch this game. I, um, I might because I know Michigan's going to go over 30. but And I'm going to uh, hate I'll, watch it because I'm evil. Yeah. yeah. So on the DFS side, Iowa, just don't worry about them. Just exclude from the player pool. Just I agree. Write them Cosine, off. No do point. not touch them. No yes, point. Do not touch them. Blake Corum, 8,200, expensive. He's in play. He's going to score a touchdown. Guaranteed. Yeah. He scores every week. The question is, is does he get two touchdowns? Does he get three touchdowns? Does he get 100 yards? I don't know. They've really been trying to limit him because they were trying to save him for this stretch run, because he's never made it this far into a season healthy. This was the first time he ever got to play Ohio State healthy. So if he gets two or even three touchdowns, he's in play. I think he's in play. He's an option. He's right up there with Genty is is one of the better plays. Roman Wilson, 6,000. He's the only pass game option I'm going to consider, because if McCarthy throws it 12 times, nine are going to Wilson because he's played great. McCarthy's not going to run. I looked for his rushing prop and I couldn't find one because that was going to be another hammer bet. And we can move into that ACC title game because I really want to talk tape. My last thing on this Big Ten title game is if I have to, I have been saying at some point this whole scandal has to catch up to Michigan. Nope. And it eventually will because that's how this works. I'm not going to turn my back on it just for it to happen the following week. So I am going to continue to stand at the door, hat in hand, and wait for someone to open it up and put the paycheck in my hand. Until then, I'm just going to keep putting the money in the slot and letting them take it. Uh, Moving on, you mentioned the ACC title game. It's Louisville, number 14 after the loss this week to Kentucky, plus two and a half against number four Florida State. It's a win and end game for your Seminoles. I'm saying your Seminoles because I'm assuming nearly all of you listening to this are, in fact, Florida State Seminoles. Charlotte is hosting the game, of course. 8 p.m. start, last game on the slate. It's on ABC, although Fox does that thing where I feel like every game starts like 20 minutes after the hour, so it'll oh. probably be the Big Ten title game. I don't know why their game starts so late, but whatever. Awesome. Um, I would like to lay out, because people have heard plenty of, of my perspective on this game for the time being, and I don't want to taint yours, Um I will obviously lay in my thoughts here because it's later in the week than last Sunday was after you, sir. Well, number one on the Fox thing, the daggone LSU game on ESPN was almost finished with the first quarter before Michigan kicked off. Like that's absurd. We got to stop that Fox. Get your stuff together here. Yeah. No one wants to watch big noon Saturday. If you don't start the game right after it for another 45 minutes, I'd rather watch football somewhere else. So I will tell you that as soon as this line opened, I, 
I I bet Louisville plus three and a half. And about 10 minutes later, I went back and went, money line sounds good too. And both threw a little sprinkle on that too. So I apologize. Look, here's the thing, right? I, I'm, on, I'm on this network as a guy who didn't go to Florida State. I have no, um, and I don't want to say no allegiance to Florida State, right? I've been doing this podcast and this network for three years, right? I, I am more tied to Florida State than any program in the country outside of LSU, because obviously that's where I went. That's a school I covered for five years, uh, or I guess seven years, Jesus. Um, Florida State, I, I have a, a connection to. Last week, I took Florida State and laid the points at Florida um, because I believed in the power of rallying around your guy and everybody finding another gear in a game you had to have it. Plus, you were playing a back of quarterback. Plus, you were playing a defense that has been dreadful this season. And it uh, it didn't look good. And you texted me during the game that it did not look good. Yeah. So, bottom line is, let's start with Florida State first. Rodemaker's terrible. I texted you immediately. They need to hit the portal. And there's a ton of great quarterbacks in the portal. Now they might believe in the freshman, but bring in some some competition. I mean, you they love gotta Rodman, know for sure. You gotta know at this point that Rodemaker's not it. I mean, realistically, this week, would they not be better served trotting the young kid out and just seeing what they got? I mean, if Rodemaker looks like he looked last week, and let's just say they somehow won this game nine to seven. You know, because there's no way Rodemaker's moving the football that well. Well, let's just say he does okay enough that they win this football game. I'm going to be so massively disappointed that they're in, if they get in the college football playoff, like it's going to be the worst game of all time. And I feel horrible for them because the rest of the guys on this team deserve better. And it's not Jordan Travis's fault. It's nobody's fault. They're just a terrible situation where the team deserves to be in the title in, in the championship four. But that quarterback doesn't. So here's where I'll present the argument counter from from what Florida State fans and 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 you know, what what the other guys on, on the Seminole Rap podcast, which you can find right here on the same network, uh, were saying about this game on the Florida State side and what they think. Tate was dreadful in the first half. Uh, looked better in the second half. I wouldn't say, in my assumption, good. Uh, or or, or my, my assessment, I guess not assumption, my assessment, I wouldn't say good. Uh, but he looked better. I mean, it was hard to look worse, but he, he looked better. Uh, certainly rattled by noise, certainly rattled by the first chance at it. A year ago, Tate came in for Jordan Travis against Louisville and won that game. They were losing, and he rallied them late to win it. Um, he certainly has a rapport with Johnny Wilson, and I, I personally like him more than Keon Coleman in this game. If you're doing DFS things, if you're doing... Uh, I haven't looked at any of their player props. So personally, yeah, I like Wilson more than Coleman. We got Coleman at 5,200, 4,900 on Wilson. I'm not surprised that a guy that has limited accuracy and just needs his wide receiver to outplay the defender is going to lean on the six foot seven behemoth. Which is why I like Johnny Wilson a little bit last week. I took him in a few of my night lineups because of that exact reason. I, I know that 
A, they played together before. Another guy, Jaheim Bell, again, they have a rapport from high school, so there's something there. Bell had a decent amount of receptions last week, and he was second on the team in receiving. Um, Personally, I I am concerned because last week the offense strictly came from Trey Benson breaking two long runs Mm -hmm. for touchdowns and Florida's offense not moving the ball at all. Um, I think part of that has to do with Florida State's defense being very good. I, I do believe they are a very good defense. But what I said uh, on the podcast this week, and uh, again, the Seminole Rap podcast available here on this podcast network, is I do not know for a fact that this Florida State defense is good. Again, I don't say that as Florida State's defense is not good. I am saying I do not know for a fact that they are. The last I'm going to put the word good, healthy quarterback that they have played is September at Clemson. It's going to be December when they play this game. I saw you shake your hand. but There's an but, argument that it could be Jaden Daniels. Th- there is, but, but listen, I mean, let, let me take it from, from, so they play Clemson. Klubnik is fine, right? Klubnik is, is maybe what, top 30, top 40 quarterbacks in the country? He's he's below the Fafita line. Can I just say, could you agree with top 40 in the country? I think so. Okay. Stop me when you find a quarterback you think is better in the list that they've played. So the next game after the bye was Virginia Tech. I I don't... I. Tyron Drones, no. I, I mean, Drones played that game through for 104 yards. I terrible. think he's terrible. Uh, Syracuse was the next game. Schrader, terrible. Schrader also, yes, played in that game, 99 passing yards. Terrible. Uh, the following game was the Riley Leonard. He's banged up, clearly limited. Then he gets hurt in the fourth quarter when when Duke had Florida State on the ropes. He threw for 69 yards before the late third quarter injury. He's, he's, his girlfriend goes to Auburn. He might transfer there. Oh, well, something to keep an eye on. Uh, but would you say he's better? Was he better? Not with Vegas? one ankle. Correct. So not better than Klubnik. Uh then the game was Wake Forest. The starting quarterback day Mitch for Wake Griffiths. Forest was Griffiths. He threw for 82 terrible. yards. Terrible. He's transferring, so he's terrible too. The following game was at Pitt. Pitt's starting quarterback v- Vallow? was Vallow. He threw he's for, terrible. He threw for 244 on 15 of 35. That's an indictment of that defense right there. 15 of 35. They only scored. They only allowed seven points, but he threw for 244. Again, he's terrible, right? Yeah, oh yeah, he was a transfer out of Penn State. Uh, Athletic, the, but not a passer. The next game was the Miami rivalry game at home. Miami benches Tyler Van Dyke and goes to Williams. He throws for a buck seventy-five, eight. Well, of he did snap his arm in half. No, that was the next game. No, he snapped his arm in. No, half that was that game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he snapped his arm in half. He's terrible too, though. And so is Van Dyke. Van Dyke's transferred. Well, he, uh, so notice the theme here. Every quarterback that they played against has transferred or been a backup. Well, so Emmett Williams, eighty-five yard or eighty-five yard of his one seventy-five was on that one eighty-five yard touchdown play where the guy had took a terrible angle and gave up an eighty-five yard touchdown. So otherwise, he was seven of twenty-two for eighty yards or ninety yards. Uh, the following game, North Alabama. I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm just skipping. Doesn't matter. They, they can't be better than Klubnik. And then last week against Florida, the the freshman Brown, who is now back in the transfer portal as well, um, yeah. he he was nine of sixteen for eighty-six yards. None of those guys are even as good as Clubnick. 
who, like I said, I don't think either one of us would put in the top 20 quarterbacks in college football. I wouldn't um, put Plummer above him either, in fairness to Plummer. Would you put Plummer above any – you'd put him above all the quarterbacks that they've played since then? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, and, so, and I'd put his coach ahead of all of the coaches since Dabo. Elko? No. Elko is is uh, Stoops part two. Like Mar- uh, Mark Stoops, he might as well be Kentucky's coach. Well, he almost was AM's coach. They both almost were. Exactly. Um, there, but there was an uproar. Neither one of yeah, them is that great. Like, okay, you're telling me that Elko's great? Like, Elko doesn't, he's still not competing for ACC titles over here. No, and look, Rom came in with a terrible team. That team was last year. You said Rodemaker came in and beat Louisville last year, came back, led them to the, to, to the win. Yeah, their coach left. They they stunk. Like they were a terrible team. Cunningham was a bad excuse of a Lamar Jackson, like wannabe Lamar Jackson last year. This team has turned around, and that was a Brom that came from Purdue, who gave Michigan a decent game at least. They were down, I think, twelve late until your boy got his uh got a cover for the boosters. Got his cover for the boosters. So Brom outplayed the talent that he had on the field and now he's done it again at Louisville. I know everybody's saying that Louisville hadn't played a tough schedule. They haven't, but you got to buy into something at some point that they've just played really strong. They have a better run defense than Florida state does. And Florida state at this point can only run the football. And we've already talked about for ad nauseum this season that we do not trust the Florida state rushing attack to be consistent enough to win a game. This is the game they'd have to win, and I'd much rather rely on Jawar Jordan in the backfield than Trey Benson. I think Trey Benson's probably a better running back. I don't trust the offensive line at Florida State. I I, I declared this offensive line struggles a few weeks ago as something that they could not fix. I said, you know, they just need to fix it. They just need to fix it. They just need to fix it. And by the time we got to mid-November, I said – there's just no fixing it. If if we have if I've gone ten weeks of saying you just need to figure out the run game and you've never figured it out except when you played Southern Miss and when you played Virginia Tech, you're just not gonna figure it out. And I don't yeah. think against Louisville's the week you then. I mean, you struggled with it last week against Florida. Was it was it the way you scored your two touch your your well, all three of your touchdowns, but the two long scores? Yes. Is it gonna work this week against Louisville, who is markedly better defense than Florida? That's where I'm concerned. Um. Of course, all that to say, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I told you two weeks ago before the Travis injury, I think I liked Louisville in this game. Tell me I, I liked Louisville before I talked myself out of it. Uh, and I'm there. And, and it's simply just because, like I said, I don't trust Tate yet. Yeah, I, I could see something different this week to see maybe if I do. But I, as of now, I don't. The, the game against Louisville last year was a lot of put it up there and see what happened. The game last week against Florida didn't give me a ton of confidence in him. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in what I saw from Louisville last week either. Yeah, I'm but not I buying trust, that though. But I trust more of what Louisville has as a team than what Florida State without its quarterback has. When I can't, I can't for a fact say the Florida State defense is good because I haven't seen them play a quarterback with a pulse since no, since September. I and that's when they started looking good. I can't. That's where I can't figure out where where to decide to put anything, and I have to just take Louisville in that. At I don't know what to do with either team. So this iteration right now, I, I last week's game, I does not bother me one bit 
against Kentucky. That game didn't mean anything. It's a technically a rivalry game. And Kentucky's an underrated team, an experienced team, and arguably you could say piece for piece, they're a very comparable to better, like a comparable offense to Florida State, except for I probably have more confidence in Devin Leary, as strange as it sounds. But Ray Davis, great running back. They have three very good wide receivers. They're all explosive. I just think that in this situation, we've seen too many times where I think most people for Florida State are going to hang their hat on, well, look at what Kentucky just did to them. Kentucky's also got a very good defense. And they also hung 30 on Kentucky in a game that didn't mean anything for them. I just, I would have to ride with them because I have a lot more confidence. I've seen Plummer do these things. I've seen this team win games like this. They they played a very good Notre Dame team. I wish Jordan Travis was healthy because I wanted to see Jordan Travis in the four final four championships and see what would happen in those playoff games with Jordan Travis in there. And I feel like immediately once that happened, all attention is now going to have turned to who the transfer quarterback for next year will be. Well, and look, I'm happy to be the doubter, the, 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 you don't trust this guy. And, and, but like I said, on the Seminole rap podcast this week, I, I am the outside guy, right? I don't have the allegiance. I don't have the, the colored glasses and I'm happy to be wrong. I mean, I, you know, again, Florida state is my, is my next associated team, but it's not like I have this allegiance or, 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 or anything to the university. I know a lot of you do and you can hate me for it, but, um, you know, I, I got to call it like I see it as the, as the non-partial non-biased guy in here. And the one guy I trust more than pretty much anyone else on this offense is Keon Coleman. And they had a really hard time getting him the ball last week. Um, would he make a big play on special teams like he did last week, returning a punt 50-something yards? Sure. Do I want to put my money on a guy making a play in a punt? No. Uh, and, and that and that's where I end up, and that's how I end up on Louisville. Um, in terms of DFS stuff, we talked about Coleman at the higher price than Wilson. If I'm playing anybody, it's Wilson. I'm probably not touching the offense. I'm just kind of fading this whole game, really. Yeah, and the weather is supposed to be really gross in this one, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I know my folks live in, outside of Charlotte, and they said it's going to rain all weekend long. I just think this is a a just ground-and-pound game. This is not one of the games that I would want to load it into. And, look, I hope Florida State wins, and I'd be real happy if they do. I hope they win, get an undefeated season. We can talk about what would have been. And it's a team that deserves Travis... it. That's the part that bothers me. 100%. That's the part where if I sit here and, you know, we're on a Florida State network and a lot of the listeners, I get it. You guys are Florida State fans. And I'm sure I, and I'm talking to you as though you're yelling at me already. But we would prefer they win because it is the better team. 100%. It's, it's, a, it's a terrifying proposition when you're talking – 95% chance of rain and a, a half inch of rain on the field and 11 mile hour wind gusts and a guy who has struggled to throw the ball and you've, you've struggled to run the ball often. Oh, I'm even happy to lose the bets. I have no problem with that. That doesn't bother me. Honestly, I'll still be rooting for Florida state because of the opportunities and everything. And because I've enjoyed being here, but at the same time, got to be realistic. Even no, even if they win, even if they win, and I hope they do. I'm rooting for it, rooting for it. 
I really hope they don't put him in a playoff. Put him at number five. Put him they're at number be, five. I mean, they're going to be in. They please, have to be in. please don't put in. him in. Don't put him in. in. Like put Texas in. They have put to Texas in. I. They, do you? What would happen? What they destruction would happen of Tate Rodemaker facing Georgia? Look, it would be bad. I don't. I don't say it. It'd be bad. Why would but, I even want to watch that? I don't yeah. even want to watch it. Yeah, I look. I feel and, bad for the rest of the guys because he's hurting the other t- twenty-one guys on the field, and it's not his fault. He should never have been in that position. Jordan Travis was a leader, a front runner of just one of the best quarterbacks that has stepped foot on the field this season, and in the history and of deserves State, a yeah. chance at a national championship. Yeah, and and look, there's just there's no way if they don't win this game that they're not in. I just it you you can't do it. If they if they go on the road and beat Florida, and then they go the the part that would have concerned me is had Oregon jumped them this week. If Oregon had jumped to four and they were five, that's where I would have had concern on whether or not they were going to be in. Them getting moved up to four this week was where I said, okay, they win yeah. and they're in. Oh, uh, Alabama, Alabama coming in at eight was like I, that was immediately me go. Oh, even if Alabama wins, I, they might not get in. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, look, if Alabama wins, it's a whole lot of different conversations on Sunday. But to me, if Florida State wins, they are in, and, and they'll figure out the rest around it. It's um, so disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. I get you don't want to watch it as an outsider, and I get if you're a Florida State fan saying, shut up, we deserve it. I feel bad for I think Florida State. Because they do deserve it. They, it. It's the build from the bottom. It's the arriving at the top and, and the pinnacle of the sport. And, uh, you know, you on an injury, you kind of get your legs cut off from underneath you. And... Uh, it sucks. The one thing I said going into the playoff perspective this week is if you win this game, you get a month to retool your team. You get all the practices, you get all those things, and that's where you can say, let's figure out what works with Tate. Let's see if Brock maybe is the better guy. Let's see if what we can do in rearranging guys on the offensive line. Let's figure out if we can change the running game schemes. Is it two guys in the backfield to get Toa Feely and Benson out there at the same time? You know, they can really take that month and reset a lot of things that would be ailing them if they can just get through the game. Uh, it's just, it, you know, tough pick. That's, so that's one, where I one, end up. one last thing on on that. And Brock, I will say, when that play that we got to see him, even though I think Rodemaker got concussed and didn't know where the heck he was the rest of the game, I don't know how he ended up staying out there. Brock looked when he ran on uh, to the right, towards the sideline he looked like young trevor lawrence like build he has a very and his stride his running stride was very trevor lawrence well and the oc said this week alex atkins said that he checked out of out of a play out of a play they had called into that that rollout i think it was a play mm-hmm. action um you know he said he, he looked at the defense made a read and checked into the, the play so i mean that's impressive for a young guy to to go out there and yeah. and make a check and on the road rivalry game season on the line of a top five team uh you know to get out there and be like hey I'm I'm checking the play that's that's stones on that kid and you know shows maturity even if it's only for one one game one play obviously I, I think Tate is the best chance they probably have at this point and, and the guy who's been there the longest and, and giving you a game against Louisville so he's the guy to go with um but. You know, like I said, you win this one, you get another month to reset for now. I'm taking Louisville plus the two and a half. Uh, overall, top to bottom, run it through. Appreciate you hanging with us for this big slate and the long, long episode. As I know, we've got a lot to really carve through. New Mexico State plus ten and a half for me. Washington plus nine and a half. 
Texas laying the 15 and a half. Toledo laying seven and a half. UNLV plus two and a half. I'm taking Georgia minus five and a half against Alabama. Tulane minus three and a half is our favorite bet of the week against SMU. App State plus six and a half. Though you almost talked me into Troy here. You almost talked me into Troy. But I said App State and I already wrote it, so I'm going with it. Um, I, I'm just not going to let you push me off of this one. Iowa plus 22 and a half. That's my Hawkeyes. The Ferentz, the Ferentz family goes out strong. And then uh, Louisville plus two and a half in the ACC title game. It's going to be a fun weekend. We'll know the playoff teams by Sunday. Uh, in case you are in the article, leaving the comments and picks and things, I will put together our usual bowl. Pick them. Pick them. Pick them, as I said it then. Pick them. Uh, article probably the following week, maybe right after the Army-Navy game, sometime over this next two-week period, uh, as I figure out some time between my regular work schedule and all kinds of other family-related things. But uh, we'll have that for you soon. And then Chris and I will be back sometime probably around playoff time or so once we yeah, get a good, I would say a good late, playoff late DFS December. DraftKings slate late December and uh, have something for you. Maybe we'll do it together in person. Who knows? Um, I'll be in New Orleans. We'll see. So... Uh, if Florida State wins, I know plenty of people will be in New Orleans, and maybe we can set something up where everyone can come and make fun of us in person and tell us we're idiots. So, um, you know, if you listen, drop a comment, let us know that that's what you'd like to do or, or, or the way to make it happen. Or if you know a guy with a restaurant or something, you want us to come do it live, we'll do it then. So let us know. You can make fun of us in person. And we'll see how it goes. But uh, until sometime in December, appreciate you all listening this season. Appreciate you guys giving us the time, the, the, uh, the platform to – have some fun. It's just, you know, two guys who used to work together, uh, finding some side jobs to talk football together. It's been a blast. I've had a fun year with it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys back again in December. Yep. Army minus two and a half next week. <laughs> There's your final extra pick. We'll see you guys later.